Hi everyone, welcome back to Sketch to Success, the podcast about monetizing your creativity through design. My name is Claire and I'm a graphic designer from Vancouver, BC. Today's episode was sparked by a conversation I was having in a Facebook group um, with people kind of close to this industry, with marketers, designers, web developers, uh, copywriters. It's a really great group and I had totally forgot about this situation because it was so long ago and honestly I've had worse experiences since, but I think there's a really good point that I can share with you guys about this story. So let's get into it. So we're going to go back in time to about two and a half years ago of December 2016. I was nearing graduation from my graphic design program at the Art Institute. And as you gear up towards graduation, in class they teach you how to make your portfolio, how to make a resume, how to do an elevator pitch, an interview, and basically they're just getting you ready. So once you're released into the real world, you have the necessary things and skills to help you get a job. So I had been unemployed for maybe four or five months at that point. I was laid off of my first software job in August 2018 or 2016 at the very end of the month. And now this was, you know, mid-December, I want to say, maybe even early December um, of 2016. So there was a couple months where I wasn't working, but that's totally fine because I was in school. Um, and... There was, I don't even know what his title would be, but there was this guy that worked at the Art Institute and his job was to let us know of good job postings and um, contracts that were kind of coming up and his job was to put us in touch with the right people or, you know, notify us of job postings that fit our portfolio and our resume. So this guy came down to our class and he was telling us about a clothing company that was looking to hire a graphic designer. So I'm pretty sure a majority of my classmates applied for this job and as did I. And I was a bit more on the hopeful end of things. Um, Not that I expected to have this job in the bag, but I had a little bit more to my resume than the rest of my classmates, um, just, you know, in terms of experience and everything. And this company's aesthetic really fit with my portfolio. And I know I interview really well. So I was very excited and very hopeful that I would, you know, be employed before I even graduate from school. So that transition would be in the blink of an eye, which would have been fantastic. So sure enough, I get an email to come in for an interview, and I thought this was great. I was so excited, um, you know, one step closer to what I was thinking about being able to work um, before graduating. So I come in for an interview, and when I get there, I am in the entrance to the office space, and there's an upstairs, And then there's, um, you know, different rooms and sections to the rest of the office. And I come in, I'm sitting down, there's some office puppies, which let me tell you, office dogs are a thing and they are great. 
um, as I was waiting for my interviewer to come down and, um, you know, introduce herself and grab me, um, there's this gentleman on the phone and he seemed kind of aggressive. He was swearing. Um, he was quite angry on the phone and, you know, this was a little weird. Um, you know, I wouldn't be talking like this on the phone if there was a stranger in my office Um, and he hung up the phone and left the office room that I was in. And then the interviewer comes down and introduces herself to me. At this time, that gentleman had come back in and she introduces me to him. And he's the founder, owner, and CEO of this apparel company. So that was a little interesting for me to witness. But we go upstairs and we walk through this um, large room full of sewing machines, mannequins, um, apparel prototypes, uh, patterns, you know, everything I guess that would go into running a clothing company. And we walk in and walk into this boardroom. And we sit down and she opens up my portfolio and we start um, talking about my work and my projects. Um, I include a design rationale in all of my projects, and so she was kind of asking me to dive a little bit deeper and talk a little bit more about this stuff. So that's kind of what we were doing. Now, this girl was um, the company's marketer, and I think sole marketer. I don't think there was any marketing team. And... So when you're being interviewed by somebody who doesn't know anything about graphic design, that is totally fine. But the downfall of that is they don't necessarily know what they're looking for at times. Um, I mean, this isn't for every case, but just like on a broad spectrum here, um, you know, they're going to like what they see. Hopefully they're going to see like a nice portfolio, but they don't know what's good design, what's bad design, what... Um, they just don't necessarily know what they're looking at. So I could kind of tell this based on our conversations because she wasn't really talking about anything necessarily design related. She just kept saying, your portfolio looks like Prada. It reminds me of Louis Vuitton. It has a Gucci feel. This feels like Chanel. Like, I really like this. And I mean, yes, my work is clean. Yes, it definitely has a little bit more of a high-end feel, but... Um, I just thought it was a kind of a weird comment that she kept making over and over again. And I could see that she was basically saying the same thing, just different words each and every time. So at the end of the interview, she asks, um, if I could work on 25 to 30 ideas and submit them, um, to her so she can see, you know, what I'm capable of. And... Um, I didn't really know what to say in the moment, and I was like, yeah, sure, nice meeting you, have a great day, and off I went. Now, what was weird about this whole interview anyways, the whole job description, honestly didn't even really make much sense to me, because this was an apparel company, they were looking for very minimal design work, like, not minimal work, but minimal, minimal design, um, They wanted it simple, clean, minimalist, something shareable, something trendy, something that speaks to the average Vancouverite in athleisure wear, basically. 
And in my head, you know, I just, I didn't understand why they weren't having the clothing designers do this because they're the ones that know how the garment is going to fit, how it's going to wear, um, where would a good placement be. And basically it was just like words that were going on these shirts. There wasn't very much to work with. And in my head, I just felt like a fashion designer would be more than capable of doing this. Um, and I just, I didn't really understand why they needed a graphic designer because they weren't looking for graphics. They weren't looking for Photoshop photos, like none of that sort. It was just really weird. So I get this email, um, from her and I'm going to read it to you guys just so that you guys have the exact, um, like word for word what this was going to be. Um, sorry, I'm just pulling it up. So this is the email I received. I, I believe this would have been maybe the day after my interview or a few days later, like pretty close within the interview. Hi, Claire. Just wanted to follow up. Before you create the 25 to 30 ideas, maybe send me five so, so I can let you know if you're on the right track. Sorry, this email is just very poorly worded. The grammar is not very good, so it's a little hard to read. Um, I just don't want you to do too much work and have it be way off. Also, I'm not sure if I made this clear about how we are doing this. So when you bring the artwork, we will buy what we like, but not everything. Um, that's how we work with most graphic designers. Also, I would like to schedule a meeting either the 19th or 20th to see um, what you have done. Let me know when it works. Now... I was really offended by this email in a lot of ways. Um, first of all, 25 to 30 ideas is a lot of work, regardless if it's just like a typographic design, minimalist design. Honestly, the more minimal look you're going for, I feel the more um, energy and thought and time gets put into it because you have to make something so simple still be so powerful. So I also don't even give that many options to a client because that creates indecision, that creates, um, you know, unhappiness because there's just too many options and they're not looking at it as, um, I don't know how to describe it. You know, there's just too many options. They're given way too many things. They don't know where to look, what to like. It just kind of makes it a mess. The less options, the better. And when she said, you know, we're only going to buy what we like, that's just not how you work with any kind of designer. Um, you know, in any type of service that you pay for, you know, you look at reviews, you, you know, you look at resumes, you have interviews, you look at portfolios, and you make an informed decision based on the evidence under your nose to see if somebody is going to be a good fit for you. For instance, if you're going to go to a new hairdresser, you don't just go and sit down in the chair. You, you look at, usually nowadays, it's all on Instagram. You look at their Instagram and see all the work that they've done. You go online and look at reviews of their work. 
um, and other people's experiences. And then with all that, you make an informed decision that this person might be a good fit for you. And there's always a risk you may not like it. You know, this is with like haircuts, nail salons, you know, cake decorators, you name it, interior designers, there's always a risk. And, you know, this is just such an unrealistic way of working. You you don't buy a house and go, you know, the kitchen's fantastic, love the living room, bedroom is perfect, but the bathroom I don't really like, so I'm not going to pay for it. That is not how this all works. You know, the value is still there, the time and effort was still spent, and you still have to pay for it regardless whether it worked for you or not or you fully walk away and don't bother with that person to begin with. So I replied the next day because I was a little emotional about this and I don't like to um, reply out of emotion. I want to reply out of facts, out of respect, out of um, fairness. So I try not to let my emotions get in the way and usually give myself some time to really fully think out what I would like to say. So I reply, hello, blank. I'm obviously not going to say her name. If I were to submit designs, I would like to have a contract done first with a 50% deposit as well. As intrigued as I am to design for your company, I simply don't feel comfortable submitting work without being paid. I understand if you like the designs I submit, you will pay for them, but you will still have all other designs and I didn't and I don't feel comfortable with that. I don't see why I submitted a portfolio if you want me to to prove that I can do this work for you. And honestly, I feel like you don't respect the profession of designers if you're not willing to pay for someone's effort and creativity. So that is what I said to her and I will read to you the reply I got back. So um, three days later, this is what I got sent to me. Um, Hello, Claire. I apologize for not communicating well on what we're doing here. And I apologize for making you feel like design is not a profession. We are looking for a few designers and we have set up the same terms for everyone. We have a meeting in two weeks where you show us what you have done and we will pay 200 per graphic we use. The reason I had asked for the others... Um, the reason why I asked you and the others for one to two graphics sent to me before is to make sure that we're going on the right track and understand our brand. Yes, we looked at your portfolio and it, um, it shows that you have talent, but at this point, what I have seen is not the style of our brand. If it makes you, um, sorry, this is just so poorly worded and there's like no punctuation. If it makes you uncomfortable sending in work, you can bring just one to two pieces to the meeting to show us what you, show us that you can represent us well. Sorry. We are willing to sign a contract saying that we won't use any work that we do not buy. These are our terms for all of our designers. Let us know if you're willing to do the work and if not, thank you for your time. So there's a few things wrong in this email as well. One, She said, I apologize to you for um, making you feel like design is not a profession. I never told her that that's how she made me feel. I said, I don't think you respect graphic designers or this profession. I didn't say you're saying it's not a profession. You're just not respecting it. 
And everything she says in this email just makes that point even stronger. So saying that um, she wants me to send in one to two graphics, in the previous email she said five. So, you know, you can just see she's backtracking here because, you know, I'm sure I wasn't the only one who started to call her out on this kind of stuff. And um, paying 200 per graphic that we use. That is not how you work with a designer at all. There are two ways you can do this. The first way being that you hire them completely on as an as an employee, they get 40 hours a week or whatever on an agreed upon salary and they get a paycheck, you know, twice a month or once a month, however that whole system they however they decide to do that, but you're on a regular paycheck. And when you work in this kind of um environment you will come up with endless ideas and some of them they like some of them they don't but at the end of the day you're getting paid for all of the work that you're doing now if you don't do it this way and you get paid as a contractor again you get paid generally a deposit and the reason why you want a deposit is because it's going to make you guys equally invested into the project if they invest no money and you're doing all the work um, without a deposit, you're investing more into the project than they are. They can walk away at no loss and you know, if you're the one taking the loss. Or if they pay for the whole project up front and then you walk away, you know, they're more invested because they've put all this money in and you can walk away again without any loss. So a 50% deposit evens the playing field and puts you guys in um, an equal um, setting. So when you're working as a contractor, you take a deposit and you're doing the work and again, they may not like all of your ideas and that's totally fine, but again, you're still being paid for it. So the other problem was that they said they would sign a contract saying that they won't use the work that they didn't pay for. But the problem with that is, is it's a concept, it's an idea. They can take the idea, tweak it a little bit, and, you know, say it was their own. So this is a problem because, um, you know, these people can easily steal your work and just, you know, go off with what they want. You're voluntarily giving your work without being paid. And that is just not okay in the slightest. And the fact that they said they're doing this with all graphic designers and this is how they work just really solidified that they absolutely do not respect any graphic designer or the hard work and effort that they put into this. Now, what's funny about this is that I knew a bunch of people applying for this same job or, you know, I wouldn't even call it a job. I would just call it a scam. And somebody I had gone to school with recently got hired at an organic food company and they were also working their old part-time job as well. And they were just kind of feeling out their options. And, you know, just like the average Vancouverite, we're all into athletic wear. We're into an active lifestyle for the most part. And so this friend of mine also applied and got an interview. 
The interview was scheduled for, I believe, like 5 p.m. or 5.30 p.m., and he left work a little bit early to go to this interview. And when he got there, the doors were locked, the lights were off, nobody was there, and he was like, what the heck? Like, I thought I thought we had an interview. So he looked back on his emails, and it, in fact, he was in the right place at the right time, but they were not. And... I just think it's so weird that a company would, you know, pick an interview time that they weren't even open for. And, you know, just how disorganized do you have to be to completely blow off somebody like that? Like, do you not use a calendar? Do you not use a planner? Um, You know, common sense says don't schedule for a place that you're not open for. Or if you, you know, if you know you're going to have to stay late, I feel like that would be burned into my brain. You know, I wouldn't just like pack up and go home. The whole thing was just super weird. So this friend of mine wrote them an email saying, you know, how disrespectful this was, how rude it was, um, how unprofessional it was, and they apologized. And I think they offered him a second interview time slot, and he obviously declined. He just said, you know, this is so unprofessional. I don't even see myself wanting to work here. Thanks, but no thanks. And for some reason, I can't find the email, but... I remember I had sent out a final email saying I am not interested in this at all. Like I said, you do not respect graphic designers whatsoever. Yada, yada, yada. And he went off saying the same thing. And um, again, it just kind of shows you how unaware this company was. You know, they can see that everybody's resume is coming from the Art Institute. And all of our graduation dates are around the same time. It's very clear, you know, we're all in the same kind of circle and it would most likely be that we are all talking to each other. So uh, we happened to be together at the same time and we both got the same replied email right at the exact same time and it was a literal copy and paste to the both of us and I just started laughing. I thought it was a total joke. Like, I honestly, I just really could not wrap my brain around this. I was like, how is this, how is this even possible? How is this even a thing? Um, and yeah, that is that full story. And the reason why I wanted to make this podcast, there's a few lessons learned here. But the biggest thing I want you guys to take away from is um, you do not have to do free work to prove your value and to prove that you are capable of doing the job. Your portfolio, your resume, and an interview is more than enough to see if you're capable and a good fit for the job. Your work in your portfolio, like I said, will be strong enough to show your work. And when that um, lady said to me, you know, oh yeah, I like your portfolio, I just don't see any work that fits our company brand. That is the complete opposite of what she said in the interview. She was telling me how she thinks this lines up perfectly with their brand and that I would be a good fit. And I think she was saying this because I didn't have any apparel designs in my portfolio and she couldn't recognize and comprehend different applications of my work. and envision it in other ways. Whereas other designers, I can look through somebody's portfolio and see their strengths, their weaknesses, what they've done that is good, what is done that is you know not so good. And I'm able to make an informed decision to think, okay, I think this person is capable of doing this project even though it's different. 
So you do not have to, you know, do a bunch of free work to maybe possibly get picked for this position. That is not why we waste our, not, sorry, not waste our time, but you go on interviews to, to discuss these things. You talk about your portfolio, you talk about your work, you talk about, you know, your workflow, um, your process, all this kind of stuff. And all that information is all that you need in order to get hired for a job. You don't need to do the work and for them to go, "Mm, yeah, maybe, I'm not too sure. So that's the biggest thing I want you guys to take away from this. And the second thing I really want you guys to learn from this is that it is okay to stand up for yourself and your career, your profession, and everybody else that works in your profession as well. You know, even though this was only two and a half years ago, you know, that's not a huge um, age difference, but I was 19 at the time, and looking back at these emails, I honestly haven't read them until today, I would have replied in the exact same way, and I am very proud of little fetus designer Claire standing up for herself, for her work, and all graphic designers. Um, It's not an easy thing to do to tell somebody off like that, but if you do it in the most respectful way, you're going to get the respect back. And you shouldn't be scared to stand up for what is right and what you deserve. And that is the other thing I want you guys to take away. All of the biggest lessons I've learned in graphic design and in my career all have stemmed from me trying to bend over backwards for somebody who just didn't respect me, didn't respect my work, or didn't value graphic design at all. And I have so many stories I'm happy to share with you guys. And honestly, just now at the age of 22, am I learning the best ways to handle this and seeing consistencies and growing from these mistakes. Um, It's just hard being in these situations. It's not normal. And, um, you know, they don't teach you how to handle these things in school. They don't teach you how to handle these things online. And that's, you know, a big reason why I'm doing these podcasts for you guys is so that you can learn from my mistakes. And if you ever find yourself in any kind of similar situation, hopefully you know what to do or, you know, you go with your gut instinct. You do not need to prove yourself to that extent. Please do not be so desperate to take a job that you are willing to work for somebody like that because at the end of the day, no matter how hard you try to impress these kinds of people, they will never be happy and they will never fully like your work and you're just going to constantly be ripped off. So that's it for today's podcast. If you guys like it, please um, rate and review this podcast. I know you can do it in iTunes. I'm not too sure about Spotify or Google Podcasts or Overcast or all those other things, but I would really appreciate it if you guys um, rated and reviewed this podcast for me. Um, I would also uh, appreciate it if you guys wanted to join my Facebook group called Design Power. It is for graphic designers and it's a place where you can help each other um, do price quotes. You can help get advice on situations that you're in. Um, You can share clients or trade clients or um, get critiques on your work. It's just kind of a community of graphic designers. 
I made it two years ago and honestly it's not been very active at all because there's just not a lot of designers in there but I would really like it to become um, you know frequently used I want people to use it I wanted it to be a safe place for graphic designers so that is linked in the show notes as well all you have to do is answer three questions to be approved into the group and then you can start sharing and discussing with other designers but like I said there's not much up right now um, if you want to get a hold of me there is a new feature for anchor that you can send me voice messages and you can also contact me through my website, wolfandpinecreative.com, or through Instagram, which is wolfandpinecreative, or claremarie underscore t, which is my personal account. So let me know if you have any topics you'd like to discuss. Do you have any stories similar to this? Um, do you have any questions that you want me to answer? Just let me know, and I'll talk to you guys in the next podcast. Bye.